is the University of Michigan. Touchdown, Michigan! Welcome to Blue by 90. I am Justin, joined by Jack and Kalen, and today we have a special guest joining us. It is Derek Feldkamp, former Michigan baseball player. Derek, how are you doing today? Good, guys. What's going on? Welcome, welcome. Thanks for coming. Did you have a good holiday? I did. I did. Got everything I asked for for Christmas, So, which was a lot of golf balls. So I was happy by that. My my in-laws were actually really funny. They got me some of the Strixon golf ball deals, and then they got the personalized message, and it says, if you find this ball, you're shitty too. So <laughs> I was like, that's good. So that's that's all I was asking for. So that's then I pulled the all-time move. I, I have a two-year-old nephew, and uh, my wife and I are pregnant, and we're due in April. And we're gonna first, and uh, but I figured out the two year old is just starting to understand like Santa, right? Like he's just starting to get it. So I bought myself a gift, I fucking wrapped it, <laughs> and I put to Derek from Santa and I put it underneath the tree. No one else knew. <laughs> so then everybody was like, He's handing out the gifts. I'm like, Well, bring that gift from Santa, and they're all looking around my, my wife and my <laughs> sister in law, brother in law, my her parents, and I open up my golf club that I got. <laughs> that was like, yeah, was like Santa exists. So I'm like, do you want to spoil it for him and tell him that Santa doesn't exist? Yeah. Or do you want me to get yelled at in the car? In the car ride? Well played. They're, they're probably so sitting here go. like, we don't even like this guy. Who got him a present? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, gosh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, well, thanks for joining us again. Uh, appreciate it. So um, you, uh, you graduated in 06. Uh, we were just talking about it. You were part of, uh, probably the first draft class ever with that many, um, or first, uh, graduating class ever with that many draftees, right? Which you said was nine. Yeah. I think we had nine guys drafted and I'm pretty sure I was, I'm sure in the eighties when, um, you guys weren't even a glimmer in your dad's, you know what yet, um, <laughs> But uh, they were awesome. They went to, you know, with Larkin, Barry Larkin, and Sabo, and they had the entire starting. So three-fourths of the starting um, infield for the Cincinnati Reds that won the World Series in 1990 all went to Michigan at the same time, which is that insanity. Is wild. If you think about it, Hal Morris was the first base, Sabo at third, and Larkin at short. So I'm sure that they had some, you know, some, uh, some draft picks. And there's more, there were more draft rounds back then. There's, there were – 50 when I was there. Now it's way less. Obviously, it's all the rules have changed in the last like three or four years. But um, yeah, we had a good crop and had a good crew. We didn't, we weren't able to win the Big Ten championship, but we're able to, to do some pretty cool things. So yeah, and, uh, and, and you were drafted as well and got a little time in the minors. And, and, uh, and did you play in the majors? No, I got up to double A and I got to play. Uh, I play, got drafted by Tampa. So I actually knew a lot of the guys that played in the World Series in 08. So I got drafted in 05. And um, so when they made it and played the Phillies and lost, which was really cool. But, um, 
Yeah, like Evan Longoria was the draft class below me, was on our team um, the whole time coming up. Wade Davis, who was the World Series MVP for the Royals, the closer, yeah, um, was a was a Tampa Bay guy. So we were we were pretty good. We were we had a really good crop of guys too, and it was pretty crazy. That's so. awesome. And then you were down in Omaha uh, last year as well, right? For, yes. Or not, yeah, last year um, for for Michigan when they were in the uh, College World Series and. I know you told me some stories about how just awesome that was to be a part of it. And, and just like it, it had been a long time coming for that. Right. And so it was quite the celebration just for them to even be in that position. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, Chris Fetter was a teammate of mine for one year. He redshirted when I was a, when I was a junior, he was a red shirt and um, just a great guy. And, you know, we kind of got together. We had like a little alumni thing and we actually played Indiana and they lost on a Friday night. They were like rolling. And I think Carl Kaufman pitched and got railed, like shelled. And like, we're like, holy, is this team's any good? You know, none of us really knew. Obviously they were having a good year. Uh, but then everything comes together, you know, like that. And just, you've got crazy stuff that happens and you get great pitching performances. And um, yeah, I mean, we've always told, there was like four or five of us that all graduated. And we always said, hey, if they ever make it to Omaha, we're going. It's a no brainer. Drop everything you do. Don't care where you're at in the country. Everybody's going. It was. It was a blast. You know, I was. I, I jokingly told my dad I was furious with him because I was like, "This is the coolest place in the world for a kid." Because the entire, literally the entire outfield in downtown Omaha, like there's an entire two parking lots. They just they call it Baseball Village, and there's everything for a 12 year old kid. I mean, everything you can imagine, every souvenir you can imagine, and just everything. It's really really cool. But just the way the whole town and everything you can walk to uh, gravitates to it, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, it's it's the best weekend I've ever had in in probably for baseball, just fun because we went to, I went to the first weekend, so I saw the first two games. But then that way you can see everybody play. So there's two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. I extended my trip out until Tuesday morning to watch them play the first two games, but it was it was fantastic. So. Yeah, I mean that was uh, we all watched on you know on TV and followed Insane. it along. I mean it was just like, first of all, just the the uh, the like pulse that that team had and the identity that they had was like you could not. I bet you there were so many people out there that are just casual fans that took a, a liking to Michigan because of the way they played with intensity and fire, and it's like. You know, I think the basketball team has that same type of thing and ha- did it, did under Beeline, now does under Juwan too. But it's like, that's what we want so bad from football, and it just doesn't seem to happen. But so it, it was so great to watch that from a team. And, and even though we were, you know, back here in Ann Arbor watching it in Omaha, um, it was just like, holy shit, you just love to see them play with that intensity and like family and all that stuff. That's also oh, it was the inc- second second time I've heard that Omaha is like an awesome place because we had uh, an opportunity to talk to Ben Kaiser, one of the oh, yeah. pitchers, and he said exactly the same thing. He was like, Omaha is amazing from a pitcher's perspective and a player's perspective as well. So, I mean, it's like every time someone comes on here and talks about it, this place keeps going higher and higher on my like to travel list. <laughs> I mean, it's a hidden gem. I mean, outside of like um, Warren Buffett, I didn't know anything about Omaha other than the college world <laughs> series was there. Right. Like I yeah. don't. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm watching this thing and you 
Kalen, you hit it right on the head, Ben. I mean, everybody, the whole town shuts down. I mean, it's, it's literally like a, a Williamsport Little League World Series type feel for this. That's what the only thing I could compare it to is that my dad took me when I was 12 to Williamsport. And it was like, that's the coolest thing ever when you're 12. And then now I'm a 35 year old man. And I'm like, this is still the coolest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then my last story from there is I, the first game we get into it and now you're nervous. You're a former player. You're actually invested. Texas tech had crushed Michigan earlier in the season. We actually had some Texas Tech people at the hotel. They were fantastically nice. But um, it was so funny because we, they sold beer at the stadium, which was unbelievable to us. And oh, yeah. <laughs> Brett, since Justin and I know the ticket guy, the ticket guy put us – it's 100, 100 degrees humidity. He puts us right underneath the last row on the aisle so we could get out to the concession stand <laughs> and the bathrooms. Right. Well – so now I'm sitting with all my former teammates. Nobody's got their wives or, or, husband, or, or uh, kids there it, or girlfriends. It's just the dudes. It's, you're re-equated, right? Now imagine this. Like, so now we're all, we're all nervous. So we're drinking heavily. And in the game, my buddy's sitting next to me, my best man at my wedding. And he's a former player. His dad played at Michigan back in the 70s, played in the big leagues for 12 years. This kid, my buddy was from Dallas, Texas, was going to go to Michigan his whole life. His dad play for the Rangers, which is why he grew up in Arlington. But imagine this. So Dick Honing, I don't know if you guys are Ann Arborites, you know who Honing is. Dick Honing is, owns the largest, was the largest sports apparel for referees in America. Umpiring okay. and all that. Yeah. yeah. He was an umpire and he was a Big Ten football college official for 30 years. Did multiple national championship games. Greatest guy in the world, but he played on the Michigan 1952 national championship baseball team. Okay, so he's sitting in front of us, the row in front of us. So in the game, Derek or Jimmy Kerr hits a double down the line. There's a guy on first base, one of our runners with two outs. And the instincts for my buddy stick in and said, you got to score him. So imagine this. He's got a full beer. Okay. And he's like, you got to score him. And he's waving his arm. And then, and then the kid comes in. I can't remember. It slides in and scores. And the entire beer is gone. And it's on Dick Honan in front of us. <laughs> And we're just sitting there freaking. Here's a guy who's a multimillionaire, right? And we're just sitting there freaking out. Like we're and he's like 85, right? He's probably 90. I mean, like, it was hilarious, but he took it so in stride. He's such a good guy. But yeah, the Omaha trip was was fantastic. So <laughs> I mean, I've I've always thought about it too. Like, just the way my wedding was planned. It didn't work out to like plan to go to a college world series, but that I feel like that would be an awesome place to go for a bachelor party. Cause it's like, you got March madness for college. And I think college world series is like another thing that's, you know, followed a little bit better because you have games for what, two weeks. Yeah. And you're, you hit it on the head and it's literally, you can buy a ticket for $10. You can sit anywhere in the stadium. There's no ushers. The usher is a 16 year old high school kid. They never look at your tickets. Like, literally, they have no idea what you're doing. Um, and like you said, it's affordable, number one. Um, it's outside. It's warm weather. There's people everywhere. The Southeastern teams, they tailgate like it's a football oh, yeah. Saturday. I mean, they're going nuts. I mean, Mississippi State was tailgating. Florida State was tailgating. It was, it was insanity. Um, 
it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it was a blast. It was something that where like when we left, people were like, hey, regardless of Michigan's in here or not, I would love to come back for a, a long weekend or something or bring my dad back, you know, it was that cool. So, hey, yeah. I, I just set my date for my wedding, July, 2022. So, you know, that might time up pretty well. Hey. For bachelor party. How many, have you done that? Is that, so you've got 18 months to figure out if whether or not you're going to bail on this whole nonsense. <laughs> too much time to think, man. That's too way, much time. Way, to way too much. Oh, you still even, got time. Not even just Leave while you can. Part, but just like now I have to think about like the planning for every, you know, every day for the next 18 months. I'm just like, holy shit. But that well, was Corona, like, Corona's going to be around and, you know, till 2030. So just be ready to postpone. So exactly. Big yeah, Gretch that, will make sure you postpone that thing. So don't you worry. That was like, it, it was just crazy. That was literally the first date available for these places. Like, oh, yeah. Already so fucking. Deep. I get, honestly, I don't even want to deal with that. I can't imagine doing that nonsense. My wife said, I know some friends. Kalen, are you single? No, but I'm not married and I'm going to keep it that way. You're smart. See, <laughs> only smartest, smart, he's the only smart one in the whole group. Like, literally, the only smart one in the whole group. Exactly. But our, yeah, we've heard some people that are just to tell the stories about rearranging stuff, and I just couldn't imagine. Oh, dude, it's, it's a, a fucking mess. My yeah. wife and I, we were supposed to get married this past July on the west side of the state in Holland, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we ended up doing a small gathering locally, like in Pinckney, because uh, their parents live out there. We did something in the backyard, but we're still like we had to reschedule all the vendors, our DJ, the venue, all that stuff, and it's like still we're like fuck. Can we even have our our wedding? Do we have to do this again? It's it's a mess, man. Yeah, I, I'm not not excited for it. I I mean, I pray to God that we're over it by July 2022. Because if not, uh, I think we're, yeah, we're in we're in some real trouble. Yeah. But that's not the case. Yeah, two more years. Yeah, fucking so, I, Jesus. So maybe maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll do a little Omaha trip for the bachelor party. We'll see. We'll see. But um, would be a bad idea. You don't twist my arm. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Derek did call me right after my engagement. He goes, "Congrats on ending the rest of your life." <laughs> That's a good friend. You know, you want some encouragement. I mean, do you want reality, or do you want me to give you the fluff piece, or do you want me to give you the reality part? So. so, all right. Well, um, let's get into it a little bit with some, you know, obviously recent news uh, for Michigan that we really haven't talked about yet on this podcast, and that is that Don Brown is out. He's no longer the defensive coordinator, which I, one thing that's kind of weird about the whole thing is that Bruce Feldman broke the news. Michigan has yet to release a statement on it and actually say he's gone. So I don't know if you guys noticed that, but like, I don't know that's why Michigan. Michigan decides to deal with things these ways, um, but it's just so weird. But um, now he's, you know, very heavily rumored to be, Jed Fish's uh, defensive coordinator at Arizona. Um, but Derek, I know that you have been, you know, since 2018, pretty anti Don Brown and everybody else kind of jumped on board. You were, you seem to be like the first guy to the, to the table there. And then everyone else in the past couple of years has jumped on board. So tell us why, why you got to that, uh, that spot in 2018. I look at it like this. Um, back in 2016, 17, 18, Harbaugh had an identity. Whether or the team had an identity, right? Run the ball, play action, big wide receivers, what they recruited for. However, maybe their quarterback really wasn't what that, you know, required. But um, 
So then it gave me the idea of like, okay, we're playing bully ball. All right. They're the Baltimore Ravens yeah. of college football, right? Like beat up on all the terrible teams. But then when Lamar's got to go against somebody good, it's like, the guy's awful. I got to make you stand in the pocket and on third and seven down by four on fourth down, you got to make a completion that didn't happen. So I, I use that as analogy and towards like the Don Brown situation was like, okay, look, this pressure defense, this pressure stuff is when you're in a lead, it's suffocating, right? Like we can do it. It's, it's proved to be a total tone killer. But what really set me off was starting in 2018 was just like opening against good teams. Usually what would happen would be like an opening play drive. They'd go down seven, eight plays and they'd score field goal or touchdown, excuse me. And then Don Brown would figure it out. And then the floodgates started happening. You had the, the games where it was like, okay, you're going down like with three plays in the first half. And like by the end of the first, first quarter, you're down 14 to nothing. And you haven't even had a time to breathe yet. And then that led me into the story of Dubai. I'm sitting there and I'm, like I said, on the freaking my balcony, looking at the Burj Khalifa, my underwear, watching this game on a Reddit <laughs> on my phone. And I'm just watching this defense get shredded, but we're still scoring points, right? We're not like completely out of the game. And like, yeah, there's special teams turnover. Stuff happens, like kids happen, right? But like, for the most part, it was just a lack of, and I, the problem that I had was that with, I just don't see it that it's a lack of talent. Like there's the NFL thinks these guys are good enough to play. Right. Right. I'm looking at Mike Dana. I haven't heard. I don't know five guys. I don't think America knows five guys on the Kansas city chiefs defense outside of Kansas city, like Christian Jones, Tyron Matthew, maybe Alex Hitchens, Frank Clark, like just off the top. Yeah. Frank Clark. Right. Correct. Michigan like guy. a big play. Right. But then all of a sudden, Mike Dana, who's an undrafted free agent, is the new, like, he's, like, making these plays. Like, I'm a Dolphins fan, and I'm watching the game the other two weeks ago, and he's, like, all over the field. He's the only guy playing in the first half. I'm like, this is insanity. And same thing. And, I mean, obviously, Rashawn Gary was, like, what he was at Michigan, but he wasn't uh, Chase Young, you know, and now you watch him for the Packers, and it's the same shit. He's, like, all over the fucking place, and you're like – Man, how did we not put him into a position to make those kind of plays in college? Yeah, I mean, and look, we've all, I've, like I've told you guys when we got in earlier, I'm not a football guy. I don't know anything. I just watch observations. Like, I really do. Like, I'm like, okay, if I'm watching, like, basketball or football, it's like, okay, that guy's really good, all right? That guy's much faster, and I think a lot of this stuff um, – you can kind of see, like, um, in person. Like, we all go to the games. I don't know about Jordan and, and – uh, or Jay and Kalen, but, like, when you watch, like, you just see how big, like, Nico Collins is. Like, in person, you're like, oh, my God. Or you see how big Donovan Peoples-Jones is compared to a yeah. college corner. Right? Like, you just see these guys and how massive they are. Like, or Michael Onwayu. You're like, oh, my Lord, dude. They're huge. And it's just like – I feel like Michigan had so many – um, personnel advantages like in the sense of like defense too and it just didn't equal into production for the last couple of years and and maybe I'm nuts maybe I'm like crazy but I was I was on it earlier because I'm like, like dude scoring's not the issue we're scoring 35 30 you know nine points a game and I just don't think it's a big deal I mean I know you said or I think when we were talking before you said 2018 Ohio State game you're like boom ready get rid of them and, like, for me, I'm thinking, like, that had to be the first big blowout he had, right? Penn State. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, if you was think Penn about State it, also like, that. Well, no, that was that, that was 2017. Yeah, was yeah. it? Oh, okay. Yeah, but the but Penn State Jack, game. You and me before, were hammered. So <laughs> the Penn State game the year before was the epitome of like my angry aggression towards oh, yeah. my ex-husband for 12 months, and I get to see him in a corner, and I'm going to beat him in a body bag. Oh yeah, I'm going to send him to the morgue. You know, and, and like, talk about talent. Penn State had unbelievable talent. That yeah, had. I mean, it's the only like it was just like, and then you just it was the perfect storm, like John O'Corn, the whole nine yards. We know how that we can, we know how the story ends, or like I know how this movie ends, right? Like right. you know, it's and that's and I think that's what you kind of saw, like jumping ahead. That's what you saw this year. Look at look at Indiana, all seniors, redshirt seniors. Men, just look at the physicality of Indiana. Just you never thought you'd ever say, like, wow, that wide right. receiver is massive. Fry Fogel just dominating dudes. Like, yeah. doesn't matter if it's Daxon Hill or if it's Vincent Gray. The tight end just going over the middle, dominating guys. The running back just bigger than anybody on our team. Like, it's just <laughs> it's just crazy to see the thing. And that that's what leads me into the identity of the offense, but then just leads into the blow-up of the defense, and it just it was all downhill. So yeah, I think it's interesting because for Don Brown, um, I mean, when he got fired, I the first thing that popped into my mind was that's the right choice. Like that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. But the second thing I thought was almost this like bittersweet feeling where I was remembering like 2016, the game, like right when he got hired, and just that like entire level of excitement I had for the whole program, where I was like. Finally, we're taking another step in the right direction and we can solve the problem. But things just haven't seemed to work out. And I think Jack had a really good tweet that seemed to sum it up. And I, I can't remember exactly what you said, Jack, but it was in the same sentiment. Yeah, basically, yeah. I, I was just saying, I mean, personally, I felt a little bit bittersweet about it, thought it was the right move. But I mean, like you said, Kale, in 2016, what a fucking great year, other than shitting the bed in the last two games, but even those last two games were exciting to watch. Michigan was in it. I mean, you think of that Florida State game, they were down by, I don't know, fucking two touchdowns at one point and came back and got into it at the end of the game. I mean, it was just a fun team to watch. You thought everything was going up from there, and then 2017 happened, and the rest well, kind of followed. What I, what I wonder, though, is 2016 through 2018, was it just that Don Brown had – unbelievable talent at pretty much every position i mean when you think about the guys he had on that field it's like how do you screw that up because you like you said uh derek like yes when nico collins and donovan people jones uh take the field they have a size advantage they have a talent advantage against pretty much everybody they go against john brown's defense 2016 through 18 how many positions did michigan have a talent advantage, size advantage, all that against anybody that they were going up against. And then we saw it in 2019 and 2020 definitely drop off in terms of that. And then you see, you know, that's why they obviously didn't do as well. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, you just, you know, start with Devin Bush, right. And he had an unfortunate injury in the game, obviously. Um, But just put in, you know, the whole situation with the crossing stuff again, dude, I'm not going to get into like exit. I don't know it. You know, I'm the first one to admit it. Like, I just use my observation. When I go to a hockey game at Michigan, when I was in school, Jack Johnson was there. 
is like better than everybody. It's like, okay, that guy's on the ice twice as long, but I don't, because he's faster and bigger than everybody on the field, right. Or on the ice. Like, I don't know anything about it. I don't know what the blue line is, the red line. I don't know anything, but that guy's really good. <laughs> and that's how I, I viewed Michigan football. Like I have a little bit more competency, like in a weird way, when I'm a person, I watch the game. I'm like, okay, do we have four came off the sidelines, four came on. Do we have 11 guys on the field? Like I'm weird that way. I tend not to drink that much terribly before games. I've, once Rich Rod took over, I Can't started agree. sneaking in heavy Me amounts too. of copious amounts of alcohol and drank on that during the game to enjoy my misery. But, um, but yeah, I just, I just, I'm very shocked with the talent, um, you know, all the way down to the Glasgow kid, you know, getting picked. And, and obviously, even though he's a special teamer, he still has value in the NFL, you know, like, and he's just yeah. a total gamer. But, um, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. And, but, uh, I'm very intrigued to see where this goes with everything moving forward. So you, you mentioned Devin Bush um, and, you know, now we're looking at the, the most recent news was Cam McGrone has decided to forego, forego his senior season and go to the NFL. And he's a guy that in his sophomore season looked unbelievable looked like he was going to be the next Devin Bush. And we all expected that in his junior season. And I know he had injuries this past year, but I watched the film multiple times and, and specifically on him. He looked not only lost, but he looked like he did not fill his gaps. Um, he looked like he was slow and just all, all the above. And so, you know, yes, he's got the body and I'm sure some NFL team is going to say, Hey, you've got the tangibles. We can make it work. Um, but I think it's just kind of frustrating for Michigan fans to see that happen now. And it's happened quite a bit, you know, more often than not when um, a guy like Cam McGrone comes out, doesn't play as well in college. And then, you know, I'm seeing it with Donovan Peoples-Jones right now. He's playing unbelievable for the Browns and, you know, obviously wasn't utilized right at Michigan. And so it's like, was Cam McGrone the same thing? You know, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, I'm I'm glad you you said you brought that up because I I saw you tweeted it out, and I I was I was thinking the same exact thing. I was like, man, I don't want to say anything negative, but really, is he ready to go to the NFL? Now I know we talked about it preseason. I think Cam McGrone was like my guy to watch this year on defense. I'm like, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be Devin Bush 2.0. You know, he's going to make all these plays. He looked so good last year, but this year it looked like he kind of shit the bed to me. So. Mm-hmm. He's he's a guy I'm I'm shocked he didn't come back for for his last year unless he I mean doesn't you want also, to come back because Don Brown's gone. I don't I don't know. That's a good point too, is does he want to go through a, a coordinator change as well? Who knows? Yeah. Derek, what do you think? I well, I first off, I mean, this is going back to I mean, I'm gonna go down a rabbit hole. I mean, I don't know like what he thinks as far as like the coordinator stuff and all that, where, how he's going to fit in. I just don't know if he wants to play football for Jim Harbaugh. I mean, maybe that's the elephant in the room. Maybe he doesn't know who the head coach is going to be. I mean, who knows? Maybe he's like, screw it. Like I've got enough on film from two years ago when I was flying around the ball and I'm playing the greatest game of my life against Notre Dame. And like, life is great. Right. Like just all that kind of stuff. Maybe he thinks that and less is more. Um, and, and, you know, or maybe he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm willing to be like a fifth or fourth, fifth round pick. 
let me get to my second contract in the NFL and I'm going to roll with it. Right. Like, I mean, cause what's Cam McGrone like outside of a crazy season next last year, Cam McGrone is what a, you know, a second round pick at best. I don't even know. I mean, that. Being yeah, fair, third, I mean, yeah. being fair. Yeah. Second or third. So I mean, what's the difference between pick 96 or pick, you know, 62. I mean, right. like, you know, who knows, you know, whatever, but, but that's my only thinking on on that. Maybe I'm maybe I, I'm way off, but I, I do think you you bring up something very interesting there that I have heard as well, and that is that um, Harbaugh has rubbed some of those guys the wrong way, especially guys that have had serious injuries. Um, that he has forced them or pressured them to be playing through injuries. I know that to be a fact for Rashawn Gary. Um, back in the, you know, he, he was definitely pressuring Rashawn Gary to play through injury and, and Rashawn was uh, not ready and it definitely hurt Rashawn's draft stock because he should have been a probably top five draft pick and, and dropped to 12. So I've heard the, the same thing for Dylan McCaffrey. Dylan McCaffrey had, was banged up. You know, you almost think you wonder what happened with, uh, with Joe Milton this year too. You know, it turns out he's, he's got a cast on his arm. Uh, you know, a week ago, and it's like, okay, when did that happen? Was was Jim making him play through all of that too? So, I think there's something to be said about Jim uh, rubbing people the wrong way as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, we heard about you brought it up with uh, what the wide receivers, right? Or at least Donovan Peoples Jones. I mean, it seems to be some sort of trend. Yeah. And, and which is why, in my opinion, it's like you have to look, take a deeper look at Jim Harbaugh and say, you know, beyond the records, beyond that, which isn't even a good thing, but say, how is he treating his players? What are his relationships with his players? Um, and, and how, you know, I think that is what uh, a Matt Campbell has. You know, even if you go back to Brady Hoke, that's what Brady Hoke had. His players will freaking die for him, you know? And so it's like, how how do we get the Brady Hoke relationship guy that actually knows how to coach a fucking football team, <laughs> you know? And so you're trying to find the combination of those. I mean, we still got a chance at Matt Campbell, guys. No no deal's been signed yet. All right, I'm gonna still hold out hope. Yeah. So I've been on Campbell, and Justin will tell. You, I don't know. You can talk to Brent, our buddy Brent, about this. I've been on Matt Campbell for two years ago, as soon as I was off the Tom Brown bandwagon. My only reason. Are you sure you don't have a Twitter account? Are you Wolverine Corner? Swear to God. (laughs) But here's the problem. Here's the here's my here and here's why I'm on Matt Campbell. Okay, two reasons why. Two, two best in my opinion coaching jobs in my lifetime. Hear me out on this. In my lifetime, for college football, have been Mike Leach at Texas Tech, and at Pullman, Washington, at Washington State, and Matt Campbell. I've been to all three of those cities to convince anybody to go to Ames, Iowa and play <laughs> college football. You guys, I don't know if you're first off, anybody ever been there? No. Uh, you could pay me to go to Iowa. There's three best things that ever, first off, Iowa city, most underrated town in the big Ten. You need really? to go there when Michigan plays there next for football. Amazing. I actually went to college. Kirk Ferentz had two daughters and he has got two boys. Obviously, both boys played at Iowa, played football. One's in the NFL, one's the offensive coordinator. Kelly Ferentz went to Michigan. 
and lived in the house next to us when I was in school. Awesome girl. Great, great family. He, he told all of his kids to go to Big Ten schools. But anyway, but, but I've been to Ames, Iowa. It is like a glorified Bowling Green, Ohio. And with all due respect, I grew up in Adrian, Michigan. We talked about this, yeah, right? Like, I'm not pissing on Bowling Green, Ohio, dude. Like, I love the original Mr. Spots. Is it from Bowling Green? Like, there's, like, amazing things in Bowling Green. Don't get me wrong. But, like, to win at that level at, at Ames or, like, Pullman, Washington. I've been to Pullman, Washington. It's the worst college city in America. I mean, there's nothing there. Um, wow. And that's why I've been on Matt Campbell. My, my, my reasoning for Matt Campbell is, number one, number one, he can coach, right? Number two, he can obviously relate to kids. Um, he can recruit, obviously. Number three, I'm assuming his dream job was Ohio State, and the guy didn't even get a chance to interview for it, right? And that's, that's, my, that's my biggest one of, like, why this would be the perfect landing spot for a 39-year-old guy to come back and build a program and just say, go with it. That's me. So. I'm, I'm all in, man. I, I watched them play. Um, shit, who'd they play in the Big 12 championship game? Oklahoma. 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 And, like, you just watch him on the sideline. You honestly do get, like, vibes of Jim Harbaugh in, you know, at, in the, at the 49ers. And like, he's got that vibe where he's fiery. He's all over the place. He's got, you know, and, and obviously we haven't seen that Jim in fucking five years now, but um, he, yeah, I just, I think he's got these guys, he's got his guys on a, um, you know, uh, they are on board with everything he does. You watch his halftime and post game and pregame speeches. And it's like, holy shit, man, I'd run through a brick wall for that guy. And so I don't, I don't know if there's anybody that's like wanting to run through a brick wall for Jim Harbaugh. And it's like the, the, the biggest thing for me, the biggest question is, okay, well, Jim Harbaugh has to turn it around immediately, right? There is no time for him to say, all right, we got to, you know, rebuild or something like that. So do you think that Jim Harbaugh is the guy that's going to beat Ohio State in year seven, like after what's happened in the past six years? I don't think so. So you might as well just, you know, it's the inevitable. Just fucking cut it off and then start new and go, even if it's not Matt Campbell, you just got to fucking get new, a change of scenery in and figure something else out because it's not working and it's, you know, there's too much negative negativity going around and, and not much positivity. Yeah, the biggest thing that has happened, because, you know, it's holiday times, I've been at home more, I've had some time to think. And one thing that started to pop up more is name image likeness, right? With the NCAA coming up to vote on these things and these things starting to kick in, and knowing that Jim Harbaugh doesn't necessarily relate to players that well, it doesn't speak very well to me as a Michigan fan. Cause I'm going like, Hey, Michigan, you know, largest alumni network in the country. Like that should be very easy for a coach to sell to a player. Hey, all, all these guys will be wearing your Jersey, but knowing that Jim Harbaugh doesn't relate to players that well. And that kind of, thing is going to be all over college especially football. the star players that's where he really yeah. struggles mostly too that's one of the things that i've been thinking more recently like dang this jim if you don't change and like fast we're going to get left in the dust because the entire landscape of college football is changing 
Yeah. I mean, like you guys said, a, a, a guy that can relate to his players, a guy that goes, a guy that shows fire. I mean, we've missed that from Harbaugh since what? I'll give him 2016 was the last time we probably saw it. But like, that's the thing. We're not even, we're, he's losing. We're not seeing the fire. It feels like he just doesn't even want to coach at Michigan anymore, which I, I can't speak for that, but that's what it seems like from what I've seen. And when you see a guy like Matt Campbell, who's winning in Ames, Iowa, he's young and he brings that fire and he's, he's got a great culture at that university. It makes you just think, why do we, why is he not signed a contract already? Right. Again, I think there's still hope. Or I think there is still hope. Not interviewed him like, you, you know, or, or, or done your I, I research. Do, to, to my conspiracy him. theory. I think, I think maybe they do have some sort of hush, hush deal with him, but I, I think what do they play? 30th, 31st, New Year's Eve. Uh, yeah, I think so. I feel like shortly after New Year's, there's got to be some sort of either Harbaugh's coming back or a new coach is coming in. But it, it's oh, just hard to buy into Harbaugh when there's no fire, man. It's hard to buy in, especially after the year we saw. You would think – I mean, you would think a lot of this would would be done and just – I. it just makes no sense to me. I don't I don't understand At all. I don't understand, like – I. yeah, I totally just – and here's the problem. Like, I, I'm going to jump in to the next topic because I just I have to tell you I mean and I and I'm Justin I'm sorry if I'm gonna go off the rails but like here's here's the thing okay so let's use the realistic okay so you guys are how old right let me seriously Justin so you guys all 27 28 whatever all right so think about your lifers right like I know Kalen went to Purdue you probably love Purdue basketball and Robbie Hummel and I get it Robbie like why wouldn't you (laughs) love a guy that and Brian Cardinal, who you don't even know, that we used to wear knee pads in college. Like, this, <laughs> he had those Patrick Ewing knee pads on. And the guy could ball, right? Like, just totally just dominating in Big Ten play and earned seven years in the you know, NBA. Just, <laughs> just wearing a ski mask and a gun, stealing paychecks from multiple teams. Just absolute paycheck bandit. But – like you guys are lifers, and here's here's where I think there's a huge issue, like the culture issue of Michigan, and where I go from this. Now think about this. So like we're all locals. You've got fifty one percent of the schools from the state. Okay, you've got forty nine percent of them that are not from the state. Where you have like a situation where Ohio State has seventy percent of the kids from Ohio. They're everybody's in pulling the same way, right? Like. It matters to them that Ohio State football is – the value of winning, I guess that's my point is, what is the yeah. value of what we're going to do going forward? The value of everybody pulling together and winning. Where I say Michigan has a culture problem, it's like, all right, so let's just be fair. Like, since 2008, it's been a bad product for the most part. You know, outside of a couple of random years, a lot of people are paying a lot of money for tickets to a, 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 an inferior product. I do it because I had the greatest experience of my life. I was able to, it's my way of giving back. I love going to it. It's my seven escape Saturdays, kind of like Justin. We talk about the tailgating and everything that goes along with it. But the cultural issue of the valuing of how good the football program is to be is I, I don't know where it's at at Michigan. And I really mean that. Like my wife and I get in an argument about it. She's like, you know, the next year, everybody's going to come back because people want to tailgate and do stuff post Corona. I agree with that. I actually really, really concur with that. However, after that, I mean, like some people might not want to go into the game. They may just want to have beers with their friends. 
Maybe they're not going to support a product where I'm paying X amount of dollars. And it's like, look, I'm just here to drink beers and barbecue. And, and there's and, nothing wrong. And to and add to that, the next generation who's never seen Michigan win. I don't know if that's what you were getting at. Yeah. And that's my point leading into that. So now you have somebody who graduated, let's just say 2012. They're now 30 years old. Okay. Let's say they live in Metro Detroit. They're now married. They're, they're starting to establish their career. They're starting to have disposable income. They have zero emotional and connection with Michigan football. Yeah. Those are your donors. God. Those are your fan bases, right? Those are all the people that are going to make you be successful moving forward. You know what they do have a connection with? Michigan basketball, yeah. right? All of a sudden, they're awesome. Where when I'm growing up, I've got the Fab Five, and then I've got from 1998 just shit all the way until <laughs> Beeline shows up. Right. Like horse shit. I've got Brian Ellerby. <laughs> you guys are in diapers. You don't know who Brian Ellerby is. I've got Tommy Amaker, my senior year in college. He starts off his opening season presser with, I hope our team accomplishes three things. I want us to be happy. I want us to be healthy. And I want us to be hungry. Are you fucking kidding me? And that's what his fucking three goals were for the fucking season. Not, I want to win a Big Ten championship. Not, I want to make the NCAA tournament. I want to be happy, healthy, and fucking hungry. Oh, I mean, man. and it's mock turtlenecks. Get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? <laughs> the arena. Have you, got, you guys ever been in freaking Chrysler before they redid it? It was a fucking dungeon. It was terrible. I used to run laps in that thing in the morning at 5 a.m., Okay, hung over, vomiting in the corner, and, and probably nobody picked it up because it was just like, oh, that smell belongs here. Like, <laughs> it was a total – so I had zero connection with Michigan basketball outside of the Fab Five, right? And, like, and then all of a sudden it, it all flips. And it's like yeah. we can all agree we're all from here. This state, in fairness, is a way better high school basketball state than it is a football state. Let's be point blank. The basketball talent that comes out of this state on a year-in and year-out basis that goes everywhere is nuts. It's crazy, right? Like, it's really, really deep. And Beeline did it for the most part, recruiting kids from out of state, which is even fucking more insane yeah. if you really think about it. Um, so, but that's my thing. I think Michigan's in real trouble with that, and that's – I just look at the long-term aspect of that. And um, I just that's, – that's where I'm at, and, and I'm sorry to go on a tangent, but that's, that w that's what really worries me about the program going further. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, and the, the reason why is it hasn't been just five years that Michigan's had, you know, a couple down years or something like that. We're going on two decades, right, of only beating Ohio State, what, twice in two decades or whatever it is, 18 years. Um, and so it's, it's not like it's just like a, that, that's, a, that's an entire generation. That truly is an entire generation that now sees Michigan as a for the better half of the last two decades getting dominated by not only Ohio State but also Michigan State, and so when you're talking about the Midwest and Michigan, the state of Michigan recruiting and all that, you know the, this next this up and coming generation that is going to be the next fan base is not looking at Michigan as a dominant uh, you know team. They, they maybe get to, you know, like 2016 and 2018, 
they're up there in the top five and in the discussion, but by the end of the year, they're not making it past that, you know, the five or six seed in the college football playoff or whatever it is. And so, um, yeah, it, I, I'm very worried about that for the future too. And, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take quite a bit of winning to get over that. And you're going to have to, the problem is you're now going up against the literal best team in the country in Ohio state or one of, and the, the top recruiting class in the country as well for not only this year, but next year and probably the year after. And it's like, you, you, you've dug yourself into this hole over the last two decades where now you have to go up against the best of the best to, that is your rival um, and you can't beat them. You can't compete with them. You can't, you aren't even on the same playing field with them at this point. Yeah. And it's not just the ticket holders and the donors who, you know, who might not remember a time when uh, Michigan could beat Ohio state. And now it's the players. I think about it, a kid who's 18 years old. Oh yeah. Literally hasn't seen us beat Ohio state in a like not down Ohio state year, not a 2011 year. Right. Right. Like at least us, we can remember like John Navarre, Chris Perry, Braylon Edwards, Steve Breston, Mario Manningham. I was Chad a sophomore Andy. in high school. You guys are, I mean, college, you guys are the worst. You know that? <laughs> so old. You guys, you guys are terrible. Well, I, I so. wish I was in college when I was watching those teams <laughs> yeah. though. I mean, it was, I, could you imagine be being so at scorekeepers watching that game? going fucking nuts, man. Oh, no, and that's what I'm, my point being is like I'm. I've been to two Rose Bowl games when I was a student. You know, like I had two buddies living in California that were on the baseball team. They were super nice. The families were nice. We flew out after Christmas, post you know pre Corona. I was like, <laughs> I like to get that jab in, and it was the greatest experience <laughs> of my life. My grandparents um, actually had, had had a chance to. Um, my, my, if you hang with me here, my, my grandmother's brother was one of the five people that created the university of Michigan hospital system. Wow. Holy so shit. he literally, yeah, he literally, um, uh, came in. And, um, so my grandparents went to a million Rose bowls, like in the seventies and the eighties on the university dime. So I'll never forget when in Oh three, when Michigan beat Ohio state, I got to go to the Rose bowl. My grandma paid for my flight. She was like, look, this is you know, what you need to do. Like, you need to go do this because this is, like, part of, like, what I want. Like, I look at that now as my family. I mean, as I'm getting older, I'm like, my goal is, and I don't think this should be unrealistic, but my goal is, like, hopefully Michigan goes to two or three Rose Bowls the remainder of my life. I don't think that's asking for that much. (laughs) Beat Ohio State every five or six years, right? Nothing too outrageous. Like, I'm not not delusional to think that this is going to happen every year. I think that we all get that. But – those are the feelings. Those are the, the, the things that are memories that you want that are just non-existent for your age group, which is terrible. That's why I feel awful. Like that's what's, that's the worry part of me is going further. Well, yeah. You- I mean, I'm, well, I was going to say, but you bring up the Rose bowls. I remember it was either Oh three or Oh five. My like last, like really exciting memory of like Michigan football. I remember like going to the store, getting like the, Michigan versus USC Rose Bowl matchup T-shirt. Oh my god! If I still had that shirt, like I remember the memory. I was probably I do too. Ten or eleven at that ten, eleven, twelve at that time, and uh, just being like, 
It must have been 03, because that was like Chris Perry, John well, Farley, like my favorite 04, team ever. It was the 04, 04 Rose, Rose Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Yep. I remember getting that shirt and just being so excited to watch that team play in the Rose Bowl, man. I, I remember. I, nothing like it. I completely agree. I can't believe you said <laughs> that, because I literally have a memory of walking into Meyer and making my mom buy me this gray hoodie that was – it had, the, you know, the helmets on it and the Rose Bowl date, and, like, that was, like – that was Michigan football because that was just, yeah. like, expected kind of at that time. Michigan was dominant, and, and now, like, literally since then, Michigan hasn't fucking sniffed a Rose Bowl. They have literally not even smelled the roses. So, um, it, it just, like, I, I don't – when have you guys even thought about the – obviously the Rose Bowl is different now because it's part of the college football playoff and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, like, when was the last time you guys thought, like, oh, Michigan has a chance to, to play in the Rose Bowl this year? I, I mean, it, was, it was that moment, I feel like, that I felt, you know, that, that Michigan had a chance. Yeah, because, what, 2011, we didn't win the Big Ten, right? Like, it was – Oh, no. It was no. just – Cause there wasn't even a champion. Was there a championship game then? No, it was a split. Michigan State shared it with who? Didn't Michigan State share it or no? Did I Ohio State share it, it with Wisconsin? That's right. And was mm-hmm. no, there was. Wasn't that the first year of the championship? That was game? the first year. Yeah, that yeah, was the first right, year. Wisconsin, Wisconsin won on the 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 like block punt or whatever, and they won the, that and they went like, to the Rose Bowl. I think that was like the most unbelievable Big Ten championship game of all time. That was like an insane, oh, insane. game. And then they um, went and they got steamrolled by old Andy Dalton and the Texas TCU, TCU baby, Frogham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just it, it is it's def, like this is a fucking depressing conversation, but it, it's it's realistic. It really is. Now, it's like, now let me let me jump up to one thing. Let's let's be fair here. All right. Okay. Outside of like a couple of things that have gone bad, we talk about this is a historic run for Ohio State, right? Right. Let's be fair. We have no Ohio State doesn't know who their quarterback's going to be next year. Okay. True. Imagine if. Tate Martell's the quarterback in 2018, right? I'm, I'm thinking about it. like all the things that have that have fallen their way, right? Yep. Zero yeah. injuries to their main stars. I can't remember the last time a star for Ohio State has missed a significant game or multiple significant games. Even even in 2014, it was like injuries happened and Cardell Jones just fucking somehow. Yeah, like the greatest quarterback. Right, Hold might up. be the great like Kay, like Kalen said, probably is the greatest coaching job in the history of college football. Right, because he win, did literally nothing played, after those three games. He literally played three and a half quarters. Remember, he had to come in at halftime in the Michigan game. Yep. So the guy played first three and a half games, right? Um, but maybe J.J. McCarthy's the dude. You don't know. I mean, that's how quick this could change. I really yeah. mean that. Like, I mean – what let's be fair what next year on ohio state outside of the receivers scares you That's nothing true. coaching staff the fucking right. five star freshman they're getting in at quarterback i'll tell you they fucking scare me okay so yeah 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 okay so all that stuff scares you but you don't know i mean i'm going to take my chance with a five star freshman quarterback over 
maybe our five stars just as good. I mean, who knows? Right. Yeah, I mean, you've you've I, duped me for the last time. I'll believe it when I no, see no, no, it. No, no, no. And I agree with that. My my point being is though, is it is it so? As it looks so far away, it's I don't think it's as drastic as we think it is. Mm. That's college football, right? Like a play here, a play there. Like I can go through a million games where it's like, okay, that game's close, and then all of a sudden it's a blowout because of two or three things. You know, a block punt or a drop snap, and you're like, yeah. oh shit, and then it just snowballs and you're like okay was it really that big of a difference and you're like no even, not really I, I even you know? t- we even talked about this before like honestly even in 2020 for Michigan like they they were times in each game that they could have you know a couple plays go a different way and like Michigan State 100% it's literally like yeah. three plays and then Indiana like there was a couple plays even Penn State like it, 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 you're definitely correct on that where things can go a, a different way, but Michigan just seems to always be on the losing end of that for whatever. Reason. I agree with that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I agree with that. I just think it like, you know, I mean, I, my last big thing for the thing, and I'll just tell you, cause I got it on my mind and I'm almost through an entire bottle of Evan Williams. eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> And I consider you guys better be Planet Fitness. This better be a fucking judgment-free zone. Absolutely. Okay? Of course. So you better not fucking judge on any of that. But my point being is, as I look at this, is um, as far as it is away, like, where the only thing that's been crazy, and the one thing that's been nuts about this whole Michigan State, Ohio State situation for, like, the last decade to me has been – when those guys have needed to play their best, for the most part, they have. Rocky Lombardi is a fucking Heisman Trophy winner this year. And the fucking <laughs> guy transfers to Northern <laughs> Illinois. And he's probably going to shove it down our fucking ass in week three well, next year. Right? Like, the guy, like, comes out of no Ricky White making fucking catch is coming out of his ass. Right? Like, just unreal stuff that doesn't happen. and. That is what's so surprising. Like, last thing, I'll never forget. I'm literally in line flying to Dubai for the honeymoon, and I'm watching the Ohio State-Maryland game the week before our game uh, in 2018. Yeah. And I'm watching Anthony McFarlane. God bless him. He's probably on the practice squad of the fucking who in the fuck knows whatever team in the NFL just running all over Ohio State. And I'm like – this is going to not only going to, is this going to be, this is going to be a reckoning next week. Like, holy shit, we're going to win. Right. But it's just when they needed them the most, they showed up. And Urban even said that. If you, if you guys don't know that, Urban even said that on the podium at, at the Rose Bowl when they won the Rose Bowl game. He was like, when I needed our guys for the last six years, they showed up in the biggest spots. And it was, it was crazy. And that's kind of how Ohio State and Michigan State's done the same thing to us. You yeah. know, I mean, really, yeah. if you think about it, like, hey, 2015, they kept the game close. They kept it close, right? It was fucking – obviously, you have a crazy ending, and you'll never see that ever again in college football. But the fact that they kept it close, there was never this thing where this feeling where we're out of it. And that's where Michigan's got to get to. We've got to stay in the fight and not get the knockout punch with seven minutes to go in the second quarter where you don't have any chance. And that's the difference of the Michigan football program compared to Northwestern. Compared to Ohio State, compared to just the belief and kind of what Kalen said, the belief that we can do this. There has to be some sort of time 
there has to be a belief as a player, as a team that you can, you can figure this out. And maybe the psycho JJ McCarthy as my friends like to tell me this guy's a fucking crazy lunatic on social media. Maybe this is the fucking guy that we need. Maybe it is. I don't know. I mean, he came out, what was it like two days ago and said that the future means national championships for Michigan. And I'm sitting here like, I've heard this before, but I will say like something about him makes me believe him more than, and maybe it's just me being a fucking loser Michigan fan that (laughs) probably will believe anybody who says that. Sure. And I know that there that's half of it, hundred percent, but there's something about him that does make me think like, Maybe he could, maybe he could be that guy. Um, And and the one thing I'll I'll say one more thing and and let you go, Kalen. But like the one thing to your point, uh, Derek, like Michigan has been so close, but I think back to those Michigan state runs under D'Antonio and Ohio state. And like a lot of these just in general, in sports, Michigan basketball has had it too. They haven't had those magical moments of like, how the fuck did that happen? Every time that there's a magical moment in a Michigan football game, it's going not their way, right? It's the block punt against MSU. It's the spot. It's like everything happens somehow magically not their way. It's like somebody made a deal with the devil, and maybe Jim Harbaugh is the fucking devil, so that's the reason. Um, but, like, Michigan has never had a Jordan Poole-Houston shot uh, on the football side, right? It's Trey Burke, like, Kansas. I right, mean, like all the big moments are happening in basketball. I think about like the plays that Michigan State has made under D'Antonio to make those Big Ten runs, and like fucking Kirk Cousins to Keith Nickel against Wisconsin in the end zone, and like hail Mary, like how does this shit happen for other people, and then it just doesn't happen for us. So it, it's like there definitely is just some luck in the world. And Michigan has gotten itself under Jim Harbaugh actually to be at the spot where like things can go either way and they just never go their way. We are the like unluckiest program in like, Oh yeah. All of college football at this point. Like I was, I'm honestly thinking of like 2013 Auburn. Do you remember how lucky that team was? They like, they beat Georgia because the ball like bounced off some guy, went into receiver's hands, boom. All of a sudden they're playing for SEC championship, right? Yeah, then I'm, the kick six happens against Alabama. Jameis, then, Jameis Winston in Florida State. Like they went undefeated somehow and were the worst team in like half their games. Yeah. Right. And, and so like I feel like we're the team that they're playing like <laughs> every all the time, time. <laughs> every time <laughs> it's just like and we could be doing everything right we're like wow we're having a great game even though it's really close and then all of a sudden like you know zeus throws a lightning bolt down and dpj <laughs> trips you know you're like what the hell what just happened we just lost the game and i just feel like that all the time when we're playing well and then when we're playing not well it's like we're really not playing well to the point where we're just getting blown away. So if we could just like, you know, we just need to find Jack, you need to call up your Notre Dame guys and grab one of those leprechauns. Cause we need to be like rubbing the leprechauns head. Give them a fucking nuggie down in the basement. Yeah, getting some of that <laughs> luck on our team. Oh, that's funny. No, but you're right. I think a lot of it is, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'm assuming you guys all play sports, but it's just, it's a belief. Right. I mean, a lot of it is, it's like, Hey, we're good. They were just as talented. 
I, I don't know, man. I'm not going to bring up my old time war stories and talk to you about how I thought I could, you know, capture Mount Rushmore, or, you know, whatever by myself or climb it, you know, any of that kind of, but it just, it just seems to me that like, Hey, you know, and that's, and that gets me into like the entitlement. You know, is there a massive entitlement in Michigan? Very good point. I, I, there could be a huge entitlement. I mean, the school's changed. I mean, I was there last year for the 2006, uh, for the Notre Dame game. I had friends fly in and um, it was hilarious. We went, we went on on campus and uh, you know, the fucking school's got a fucking soul cycle. I didn't even know what soul cycle was until my <laughs> wife was like, Oh my God, do you believe this? They have a fucking soul cycle. <laughs> I was like, what is that? She's like, imagine Peloton on steroids. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, I didn't even know a Peloton was. And then, like, I didn't even know what that shit was. Like, but, like, it's just different, right? It's a whole different feel. Like, I remember still trying to scheme on chicks at Rick's where, like, okay, everybody's wearing blue jeans and the same slutty black tank top. And, like, okay, your makeup's definitely awful for a 21-year-old girl, but we're going to go home later on tonight. Like, I've got a feeling that, like, I mean, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I got a feeling it's yep. just like these fake girls that are, or guys that are worried about Instagram or worried about everything that's other than what's the objective at hand. And that's just, that's just my theory on it. Maybe because I don't see that in the baseball program. I'm not saying I'm not. And, and Justin knows I'm not, I mean, Eric Bockage is what he's done has been unbelievable. And I really mean that, but like, it's just, he's not like the best with the alumni. And I'm not saying he's terrible, but I'm just saying like, but he identified, he made an identity for his program. Mm-hmm. And I see that with Beeline and you kind of see that, you know, just the kind of the Karis Leverts, right? Use him as the perfect example, right? Like just use those guys and the Trey Burks and those guys just unassuming grinders that are going to go out and, you know, just, just figure it out. And that's, that's kind of what we're missing. You know what's peculiar about all that under Jim Harbaugh is – I feel like he was the guy when he played for Michigan, when he, even when he was in the NFL, he was that guy that believed in himself so much that he felt like he could conquer the world. So it's weird that he can't convey that feeling to his team at this point. And it, it almost felt like he, he did that at Stanford and he did that at the 49ers. He like, he like willed himself to the Super Bowl, willed himself to the Rose Bowl for Stanford. And, like, and it, it just seemed like that was his mantra uh, throughout his athletic career and now his coaching career. And then he gets to Michigan, and it feels like they don't have that identity. There's no, like, we believe no matter what, whether we're down 14 with two minutes left, we still can win this football game. It's like if we get down seven in the first quarter – well, might as well pack it in because uh, it just kind of seems like we're not the better football team today. Kalen, I'm going to go to you. Like, think about it. You're an alumnus of a program that has just as many wins against Ohio State in the last eight years True. as any school in the conference. Think about that. I mean, that's a truly remarkable statistic, Right. So it shows you that it can happen. That's my point. Like, it shows you that, shit, the ball bounces the right way one day, and it can all come together, and everything can go your way, right? Like, it really does. And that's what's shocking about it. Like, I just don't understand how that hasn't been able to happen. But 
um, you know, we can always have hope and that's, that's the beauty of these things and sports and, and, and that's it. I think I mean, what makes Derek, it, like, well, I would makes, say Derek, like you yeah. said, 2016 ball bounces the right way. Ref spots the ball an inch short. I mean, the whole where is Michigan's program right now? If that goes, if that goes Michigan's way, I mean, they've, they've probably been to a, a couple playoffs at that point. I'd assume. Yeah. It's a crazy, it's crazy, dude, it's how sports crazy. work. It's, it's so fucking depressing to think about. God. Damn oh it. my God. Oh. It makes it even more difficult for us though. Cause like, like, yeah, you're right. Like Purdue has beat Ohio state a number of times, but when Ohio state comes into West Lafayette, they usually don't have their guard up, you know, they're like, Oh, we're just going to come in here and, you know, Purdue's looking to, you know, ruin their season, which they've had the opportunity to do a few times, thankfully. But when they come to the Ann Arbor or when Ann Arbor comes to them, you know, they are like ready for war. They, and that's, that's their Super Bowl. Well, you, and, you, you know what, if you want to be a fucking elite program, you better be ready for war every yeah. fucking day dude like that's yep. just the deal like do you do you think nick saving goes into any game thinking oh we can just run through this team no like they just they're ready for war every fucking day clemson yeah. and Dabo have the same thing so um that's where I, like i i agree with you it's tough it's tougher for michigan to like dig out of the hole because of that because ohio state's gonna be ready for that game right no matter what but Michigan doesn't seem like they're ready for that game ever. No, no, they don't. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Like I, you know, it's just I don't get it. I don't. I don't mean that's the. That's here's what's crazy. I'm gonna go to like just jump to something that's crazier. You have like Big Ten basketball this year. Michigan State has been an abortion. Jesus. They literally <laughs> are an abortion. They are pulling them out in third trimester, and this is not healthy. <laughs> they are a sign. They are a sign at the corner of Michigan Stadium in Maine of a guy showing you an abortion picture before you walk into Michigan Stadium, like <laughs> preaching to you. They're awful, right? Oh, they're terrible. Yeah, they're bad. They're bad. Is anybody worried about Michigan State basketball? No. 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 You don't hear one. I got a million friends that are Sparties, and they're like, eh, whatever. It's going to be fine. I look up in Vegas this morning. All I do now is I gamble degeneratively and <laughs> the way for my child to arrive and bet their savings on the over on the uh, Monday night game tomorrow night. But I mean, like, <laughs> it's like all I'm thinking about. So I look it up today and I listen to the Brett Musburger VEASAN network every morning. Michigan still, State is still the third highest pick to win the conference. And they're 0-3. Holy shit. So think about that. Wow. So now it even gets even better. So you have Wisconsin's one, and they lost, okay? And then, and then Illinois's two, and then Michigan State's three. Michigan's five. They're not even fourth. That's crazy. They're not even fourth. And they're playing the best ball of anybody in the conference. Even, like, Iowa just obviously got exposed a little bit. I, I mean, they get exposed every day on their defense. But they finally got exposed and, and got beat. Wisconsin just got exposed and beat by Maryland, who Michigan plays now. And it's like, how are they still fifth when they're playing by far the best basketball of anybody in the conference? It's crazy. It's not. That's what I love about basketball season, man. More games, less More games chance. matter. I mean, like you said, Derek, Michigan State can start off the conference 0 3 and still be one of the favorites to win it. 
It's crazy. Michigan football goes 0-3, and, and they're calling for the coach's head, right? No matter who Even it 0-1. is. Like, say Even 0-1. They start the off, they say they start the Big Ten Conference uh, 0-1. It's like over, right? <laughs> it's just crazy. Basketball. It's just crazy, man. I don't, I don't get it. I just don't understand it, but it's just funny. Well, we uh, we have not uh, been able to, you know, I, I had hoped that we could get just some answers, you know, on why things are the way that they are, but it doesn't sound like we have any answers. And we never will have answers because this is – it's just perplexing on how the hell we we are where we are with Michigan football in 2020 after six years of Jim Harbaugh. And it's just like – it, it, it kind of feels like Michigan football is the same as Corona. It's like we're just like way too far into Corona and you still don't have a solution and we're still like not in a good spot. You, there's still no light at the end of the tunnel. With Michigan football, we're six years True. into Jim Harbaugh. There's still no light at the end of the tunnel of like, oh, yeah, we're going to you know be good one day. And so um, it's just like, holy shit. Um, it, it, just need that operation warp speed and get the uh, Michigan football vaccine going. Yeah, right? get the vaccines going into Michigan football <laughs> to save the day. Um, so, I love that you compared fucking Michigan football to the coronavirus. To the, to the biggest, <laughs> That's amazing. Pan, the biggest pandemic since 1918. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not. Am I, <laughs> am I wrong? Am I wrong? It is wrong. an infection. I can't get it out. I feel well, like that's the that sad thing. You're not wrong. Michigan, we got to hold out hope. Hopefully, everything's gonna be normal again soon. Exactly. Michigan football is officially been out been hope put, for fucking eight years. <laughs> Michigan football has officially been put on a ventilator somewhere inside of <laughs> yeah. fucking Ann Arbor city limits, yeah. and they're just they're FaceTiming their friends right now, hoping to God to survive. Exactly. Big Grinch about to shut us down. Now. But you know what I mean, though. This yeah, time. exactly. Uh, no, you're. That was a great way to end it. We'll we'll end it there. You can, uh, you can. I was gonna say you can follow Derek Feldkamp, but you can't because he's a no. You can't. Not on, not on, <laughs> no, you can't. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, so MySpace. Maybe life. MySpace. No, 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 <sighs> bud. I was, I was on Facebook back when only college kids could have Facebook. Wow. Oh, back in my think day. Think about that. Think Didn't about that. that was a thing. I think I think Facebook came out in 03. I think it was 03. I'm pretty sure it was 03, and then literally all it was a dating app in college. It literally was like, what's your relationship status? Was it single? Yeah. Like, yeah. And it was like a huge deal. That was like the first thing of like, okay, online dating, which was fucking wild. You on Friendster? <laughs> nah, dude, I'm not. <laughs> shit, my dude, I'm not fucking. <laughs> I met my wife on Bumble. I mean, how about hey, that? Hey, hey. I finally, long-time listener, first-time caller. I finally <laughs> my, uh, my wife's like, you know, she's like, it's good that you're tall. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, well, girls like that. I'm like, uh, okay. She's like, yeah, you need to put that on your, like, profile. Like, put down, just put down your height, <laughs> and that's it. I like, like you because you're tall, but I don't like you enough to come back. So well, you, but it's hilarious. But I saw dead. Put down. I was put down. I put down six foot four, and then dot dot dot. Apparently, that matters. And my world changed. It was <laughs> incredible. I'm like, I have nothing else going on for me in my life. But, yeah. So <laughs> note to self: you put your height on your dating profile, that, and you'll have a kid you on go. the way. There you, there you go. go. See? 
we were love at first sight. There you know, all matches and all worked out. So there you go. Love it. Love Good. it. Well, um, we'll, we'll probably, you know what, we'll have you back on for sure. Um, hopefully yeah. soon. I think we should have you as a regular, like leading up to football. Uh, cause I know, you know, Derek will call me sometimes and just like out of the blue, be like, dude, I got to talk to you about fucking Don Brown, man. And like, he just, <laughs> we'll just go off on it. So we might as well save those takes for the podcast. Cause they're, they are great takes and you've got, you got about as many stories as anybody has I've ever met. So yeah, no, for sure. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. And I promise you, I'll drink this or not more next time I'm on and I'll get a little bit I'm, more loose. I'm intrigued now, man. I've, I've, I've got to get that Evan Williams eggnog. It's, Dude, it's, um, so here's the deal. So, all right. So I've lived a lot of places. I lived in Australia. I lived in Bozeman, Montana. Okay. I've lived in Fort Myers, Naples, Florida. My buddy in Fort Myers, Naples, I started drinking this before I moved back to Michigan. And it's like, he's like, dude, I'm like, he's like, this is really fucking good. So we put some cinnamon. It's $7, $7 oh, yeah. at wow. Meyer. Okay. You can't go wrong. This is the greatest. Are you mixing it? What are you mixing it with? No, it's already mixed. Oh, shit. All right. It's already got the whiskey in it. That's fantastic. You just literally <laughs> shake it. That's why I was shaking the whole thing the whole time. <laughs> just put it on ice. That's it's amazing. $6.99 at Meyer. Hey, I used to drink Evan Williams cherry back in college. Ooh. Had some great yeah, times. You would think, I'm like, open to that Evan Williams. And I hate brown liquor. I can't do it. You're, you you're not a, literally. Uh, hey, how about this? This is what I love about Derek. He was like, you know, I, I got to go on a diet for the summer. I got to stop drinking. I'm only I'm done drinking beer. Done drinking beer. Only only drinking vodka. Only, yeah. Only <laughs> Dude, vodka I soda. had such a good body this summer post corona. <laughs> I was going into it. It was such on a on a high note going up. I've got some pictures and angles that my wife took, and I don't even have social media. But she's like, you know, was like really good on a dating profile. Like I can only imagine. I mean, it was just so going up. Just the lack of carbonation was huge. Send me those Not pictures. Not that's just right off the window. Out. Yeah, you should. I've got stuff from the Maldives for the honeymoon where it's like, dude, if this ever goes bad, honey, I'm putting these on the dating profile. I am for sure. <laughs> this is like a layup. I mean, this is a fast break, open-ended Trey Burke layup finger roll. Like, oh, this is a no-brainer. Like, I am saving these things for sure. So I've got this, yeah. uh, this blue moon mango wheat too. Oh yeah. Very good. Very good as well. So, so, so. every time I see Justin, he's drinking. Let's I let mean, you know that. Well, oh, yeah, most so. times. Same to you, you bitch. What yeah. the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying. I see you at the bar. I see you at the golf course. Well, yeah. yeah. Hey, Derek, you're, like you're not shortly after – I was gonna say shortly after you brought up how the SEC, like Southern teams, are tailgating down in uh, the College World Series, I texted these guys. I was like, "Man, we gotta make uh, tailgate all sports like a thing, like basketball games, baseball yeah. games, fucking soccer, field hockey. I don't care. Fuck it. Give me anything to, to drink. Out anything to go to country. I'm, I'm down. Yeah, dude, it's unbelievable. You know what? Here, I mean, I'll just tell you, like, dude, it's crazy. Um how amazing like the facilities are now compared to when I was in school. Like, yeah. dude, that's not been that long ago. That's 15 years, it's like 14 years. Like the soccer field, the, the oh, cross, like cross country, dude. like all those. Yeah, dude, this is nuts. This is insane. 
we got lights. I'll never forget. We got lights in baseball. A rich guy donated lights named Fred <laughs> Wilpon, who used to own the Mets. <laughs> right. Yeah. He don't know. He did. He donated lights for the Ohio for softball and for us for baseball. And when the hockey season in 2005 got canceled because of the holdout, the lockout, ESPN needed games to put on TV. So we got to play Ohio State underneath the lights. And it was the coolest thing in the world. It was the day after exams. I've, it was snowing sideways. I've <laughs> never been more cold. We were warming up in Oosterbahn. We saw a TV guy from ESPN who was literally just bitching in the corner of Oosterbahn being like, I've got to do this fucking game from the outfield, like dead center field. Oh, my God. And he's like, I'm like, hey, dude, is this game going to happen? He's like, yeah, man, this is on national fucking TV. This for sure is fucking happening. <laughs> like, and I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, none of us wanted to play. Like, we were fucking, dude, you had fucking, you were pissing Slurpees, okay? I mean, you're fucking so cold. Oh you couldn't God. even, like, you had no idea what you were doing. And yeah, it was, it was so awesome because everybody was going fucking bonkers. Kids have been drinking, tailgating all day long. Our alumni were down the third baseline, just giving the fucking left fielder shit. Like I've never seen, like just That's in awesome. his ear and it was a blast. And then now it's just that you have that action for everything at Michigan. So it's, a, it. it's a great thing. Well, you can catch us tailgating just about everything. We should make it like uh, we're going to be those losers at, like, a fucking women's <laughs> lacrosse game just, like, drinking beer. Like, we, we should just make it a goal to tailgate every single sport or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, it'd be great. Let's do it. Um, all right. Well, you can follow us at BlueBy90 on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at, on YouTube at blueby 90 Podcast. We'll have Derek back on here for some more hot takes and, uh, and fun stories here soon. Uh, but thank you for listening, and go Blue.